This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Well, hey, 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 welcome to the Uncommon Christian Podcast, episode 46. Man, 46 episodes, so excited. We are continuing a series called Body, Mind, and Soul, where we're talking about how our faith in Jesus intersects with our body, our minds, and our souls. And uh, as we've mentioned in the last couple of episodes, what this series is based off is a a moment that we find in the book of Matthew, where the religious teachers of the day, they're trying to entrap Jesus. And so they say, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus tells them, hey, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. And we know that that commandment really sums up uh, the 10 commandments because the second one is to love your neighbors as you love yourself, right? But the thing that we are coming to find very much in this generation, in this time period in our culture and society is that we don't fully understand, especially Christians, people who follow Jesus, how our bodies, souls, and minds really interact and intersect with our faith. So in this series, what we've done is we've turned to the experts uh, to help us figure out how we can begin to see this intersection and work fully to experience what Jesus was talking about in that moment. So I'm excited for today. I am joined by Dr. Joyce Green, who is the assistant professor of marital and family therapy, art therapy at Loyola Marymount University. Joyce, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me here. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you. Now, did I pronounce that university correctly? Yeah, I think so. Loyola Marymount University. Yeah, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Oh, gosh. Well, Joyce, it's so great to have you. Um, your husband obviously has become, uh, actually, he's becoming a really good friend of mine. Uh, really love that you guys are a part of our church. And uh, so, Joyce, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Yeah, I am. Um... Uh, my husband and I and our two boys have been attending real life church for the last two years, and we've been really loving it. Uh, we've been married for about 17 years, and um, <clears throat> and our boys are adolescents, so we're in that stage. Uh, I don't know if you can relate to that, but um, I am currently practicing as an art therapist and an international psychologist in private practice. Um, and like you mentioned, I'm a professor at Loyola Marymount University's graduate program in marriage and family therapy with specialized training in art therapy. Now that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, and part of that role, um, I direct the Art Therapy Research Institute um, in which we support the, the research of our students, but also alumni. And uh, I'm also a daughter to immigrant parents. We came to the United States from Laos, fleeing the war um, in the 70s. And Man, what a story. I have a, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I have a younger brother. Uh, I'm an aunt, and what else? Um, well, I I mean I absolutely love what I do. Um, I mainly I help people through every stage of their life experience hope, joy. I love helping people live out fullness in their life, and I truly believe that every person is uniquely equipped with God-given talent, talent, skills, and abilities to live out their purpose. Um, Amen. As long as we're aligned with God's identity, um, but also in community with our neighbors. So I do that in every every aspect of my life, um, and I wear, as you can see, many many hats. Yeah, you you are a person of many different 
talents, skills, uh, care, just your character. So great. Just a little bit that my wife and I have gotten a chance to spend time with you. You had us over for dinner and we just absolutely loved it. By the way, we're going to return the favor. I promise. I just got to, we just got to <laughs> find a date. My life is so busy, but, um, love having you and, and Matt part of our, our community there. And just, yeah, that's why I wanted you on the episode today to, as we close out the series, because you have such extensive knowledge into this idea of, of of the body, mind and soul and faith. And, of course, your extensive knowledge of how this actually relates to other cultural uh, and, and ethnic uh, dynamics in this. So so kind of let's jump into this. You've done a lot over the last 20 years of your professional career. Maybe give us just a highlight reel of some of the things you've been able to be a part of and how has faith intersected with those experiences? Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I want to start by sharing a little bit about my faith journey. Um, Let's go. I, accept, <laughs> I accepted Christ in, in eighth grade. Um, I had a best friend who I knew since kindergarten, and she took me to my first VBS. And mm. this friend of mine, she um, she accepted Christ first. And so she was one of those you know, evangelist. And she was telling all her friends about Jesus. And she came to me and she said, Joyce, you have to go to church. If you don't accept Christ, you're going to go to hell. And I was like, what? Oh, gosh. (laughs) But I said, okay, well, you're my best friend. So I will, let's go to VBS, which is, you know, Vacation Bible School. And so when I went there, it was such an amazing experience. And it was really my first experience at seeing joy, like actual joy on people's faces, despite their circumstances. And, you know, they were sharing about, you know, some of the troubles that they were struggling with, but despite all that, they were so loving. They had so much joy. And, um, you know, and I think back about that because that was so foundational, but even when I go back further, that wasn't my first experience in church. Um, when I first came to the United States with my family, um, my dad's friend, was a pastor. And, and I think actually the church sponsored us um, because oh, we, wow. we came um, as immigrants and, and kind of in, in asylum, right? We were, we were refugees. And so um, my dad's friend, who was a pastor, he invited us to their church. And I think I was about three or four years old. And I think those were when those seeds were first planted. I still have a picture yeah. of myself uh, in their children's ministry and I think it was during Christmas, and there's a really cute picture of me singing uh, Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the Christmas yeah. song? Uh, no, I don't. But, <laughs> but, you know, picture is worth a thousand words, right? That's right. And so, I mean, it brought back a lot of feelings, right? When I looked at that picture um, of me in front of the microphone uh, singing, pro- probably, you know, who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Whole That's awesome. Silent night. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, okay. So yeah, you have um, okay, a lot of so, experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, so starting from that, you know, coming to to the U.S. when I was two years old, landing in Los Angeles, going through all the events of learning the language and starting school in a new country, trying to help my parents translate what was going on with me and my brother's teachers. It, it wasn't it wasn't easy. Um, and there, and we struggled, you know, we struggled financially. We lived in the LA Metro area. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that part of LA, um, you know, close, close to downtown. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, well, it was kind of a poor area. So we, um, 
we started out there and then grew up there and ended up in East LA. So East Los Angeles, I grew up in Montebello. And then um, as I um, started going to school uh, and, and ended up going to college, I uh, decided to study marriage and family therapy. And um, when I graduated from, from the graduate program, I worked for 10 years in South Los Angeles in a community-based mental health clinic as a therapist working with families. And, um, and my goal at that time was I really wanted to understand how to work with families across all stages of life, right? So I worked with children, adolescents. I ran single parent support groups, grief groups, domestic violence support groups. I worked with um, pregnant families. And then I um, was really particularly interested in uh, young children. And so um, I got certification in work as an early childhood mental health specialist. And then I directed a program that provided mental health consultation with preschool teachers and young children with special needs and emotional and behavioral disturbance. So from there, um, I got recruited <laughs> to work as a mental health director, uh, now overseeing the mental health services at college student health centers in Los Angeles. And so this was more interdisciplinary, working with medical doctors and psychiatrists and therapists and, and, um, and really applying that, you know, truly the effects of their physical health on their mental health. Um, and then, um, then I also started teaching at LMU training next generation of counselors, mentoring, um, seeing how that intersection of faith, physical health, emotional health, and community can work together to support people. Yeah, man, what a career, what a path. And you're still young. I mean, you still have so much in front of you that I believe God's going to be using you for. And one of the things that you'd mentioned is uh, an inspiration of a, a lot of this comes from uh, Jeremiah 33, 6. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them uh, enjoy abundant peace and security. Uh, you talk about that a little bit. Where, where did that inspiration come from, from that verse in Jeremiah? I just love that verse because it just talks about God's commitment to to help us heal and mm-hmm. um, and that we we can receive that healing from God and we can live abundant life and and have freedom in God. And so that re- that really grounds me in the work that I do, knowing that that ultimately um, that's really at the heart of of God's love for us. Right. right, for us to find healing, for us to um, to also um, help support that healing with others. Absolutely, I think I think there's a miss, there's a bad. I was going to say misnomer, but there's a bad stigma that you can't you can't uh, come you can't put together faith and mental health. That if you have faith, you shouldn't struggle with mental health, and if you're struggling with mental health, it means you don't have faith. And I have been, and I know a lot of biblical counselors, a lot of Christian therapists, and and psychologists have been trying to to erase the stigma that it, just because you have faith doesn't mean you won't struggle with mental health. And if you're struggling with mental health, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in Jesus. And I think that this is, I think there is 
this is why you can see just this unique moment with Jesus and Matthew when he tells the religious leaders and basically anyone's listening, like, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. I think Jesus took into account that our mental health is so important to our faith. And when we're struggling mentally, we can, yes, turn to our faith, but there are professionals who are there to help us. I, I'd love to just get your thoughts on just that verse and and what does that mean for you as you go about your work and walking with families and 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 marriage and and just the other the youth that you work with and and the the different ethnic backgrounds that you're uh, partnering with to help them through their uh, mental health. Yeah, um absolutely. I I think you know this idea of interconnectivity between our heart, our soul, and our mind is so important um, because we live in context, right? So we have our spirit, but we also live in a world, in an environment that affects our physical beings. And so it's that interconnectivity that that affects us. So if we have a strong faith, it doesn't mean that we're not susceptible to illness, to disease. We're living in a global pandemic, right? right. And so it's important to pay attention to that. and. Um, you know, I, I work in a Jesuit university, and so we apply the Ignatian pedagogy of educating the whole person, right? Head and heart, mm. intellect and feelings, and then applying what they learn in service to others, um, to the community and to the world. And so when I think about what Jesus is saying here, we're called to love God. And because God is love, it really starts with God and his spirit mm-hmm. as the source, right? And mm. then it's like a perfect, it's a perfect circle. I, I love right. It this metaphor and this, uh, this truth that God has given us that love. And with that same love, we can find health and healing and we can give that love to others. And that's really connecting us to that second part of the greatest commandment, right? Right. Is to love others, um, as ourselves. So, um, you know, I, I think about Colossians 1, 16 too, right? In him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and in, invisible, all things. He is before all things in him, all things hold together. And so with that, we have so much faith and hope that with God, all things hold together. And he's there in the things that we don't even see, the, the, the um, mysteries of what's going on in our brains and in our minds and in our spirits and inside our bodies. Uh, he's he's there. And so that's how I approach wellness, right? First, we love God with our whole being, which is very action oriented. It's not just about a feeling, but it's about mm-hmm. action and intention, right? Applying that biopsychosocial, spiritual um, understanding of of wellness. Yeah, man, that's, that's really good. I, I, I think all the time, if we, I think often that, Whenever I'm struggling in my thought life, um, I see the effect in my faith. Absolutely, for sure. When I am struggling in my faith, I actually see the counter effect that my thought life gets bad as well, too. And so, what I have tried to do, great or joy, sorry, is that I have tried to, when I'm struggling, either or. I really try to hone in on where what's the bottom line what's what's the what's the thing at the bottom not you know it's like the the I don't know if you ever heard this uh story but it's like the the guy who goes to the doctor and he says to the doctor uh I have this cough uh 
and I, I don't know why it won't go away. So the doctor runs some tests and it comes back and, and, and the guy has cancer. And so he t- the doctor tells the guy you have cancer and the guy gets upset and says, well, I didn't care about the cancer. I want you to deal with the cough. It's like, well, the cough is only a symptom of the cancer, right? You have to get to the bottom of the problem. And so I oftentimes when I'm struggling with my mental health or with my faith, I try to get to the bottom of that. And I think it's so good that I could reach out to somebody who like yourself or, or like some of the other great uh, uh, Christians, uh, psychologists and therapists, or, you know, those that are out there, biblical counselors, pastors, who really endeavor and and want to bridge that gap, that they see that, like you said, that circularness uh, of, hey, we have, to, when we love God, we love it with all. And so all of that has to be part of that as well. Yeah. and But really, what is it for, right? So, First, we understand ourselves, we ground ourselves in our identity in Christ, but really it is to love God, right? To first understand God's love for us, to um, love God, and then use that love and that transformative love that he gives us to do good for others. And and I think that's the piece that I'm really interested in, um, in helping and, and affecting communities and uh, relational health, because I think one of the biggest barriers to living the life that God intended for us, enjoy fulfillment and purpose, is that we um, we have all these relational challenges, right? And a lot of it, like you said, stem from ourselves, right? First is that we um, struggle maybe with, with really understanding how God truly made us to be and, and all the... Um, all the attributes that that God want us to embody, um, and then and as a result, it can create some brokenness in our relationships. And so, um, you know, it's it doesn't have to be burdensome, you know, to to be in relational health with people. And because when we're in conflict with with one another, it affects all aspects of our life, right? When when there's a conflict, it affects our physical health, our emotional health our psychological health, and sometimes it can affect the work that we do because we get distracted by by just that pain of, of broken relationships. Yeah. Wow. That's that's so good, man. What what a great insight. Now, I know you're currently doing some research around uh, elder immigrants and refugees who came from war-torn areas like Laos and, and South Korea. Tell us a little bit about what you're finding and how how, how have you seen faith in this research? Um, it's been such an incredible journey meeting some of the, the elder population. Um, so, you know, we we know a lot about um, development, like child development, but I don't think there's enough emphasis on the experiences of our elder population. And especially recently that, you know, there's been a lot of um, violence in the communities against our Asian elders. And so that that really um, uh, spurred me on to to really examine uh, their experiences and giving them an opportunity to tell their stories. And so um, I've been been interviewing um, immigrants who came from these war-torn areas like Laos and um, South Korea. My research partner is from Korea. And, uh, and we really want to examine some of the similarities and differences of how they adapted and what are those um, aspects of resilience that help them thrive in the United States. 
And so what we've been finding is definitely community. Um, community has been such a great source of, um, of their ability to, um, to deal with some of the traumas that they experienced during the war and from, from coming to this country. I'm I'm so curious as to how different people walk through, you know, some of that trauma and then continue to persevere. You know, when you hear about just the just the tragedy tragedies that are going on uh, in the world, um, you know, uh, just the different the different atrocities, the different things that people are walking through war torn, you know, countries like the ones that uh, we've mentioned in South Korea and Laos and, you know, now in the Ukraine and uh, just other areas. You know, I met a, a guy from, uh, you know, from the Congos who told me some, some crazy stories about some of the stuff that he had to walk through there. I just wonder, like, how mentally they're able to process that and then continue to to just persevere with the rest of life, to move, to, to just make it through all of that. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's amazing. Um, again, resilience, right. And, and reaching out, uh, having that, that courage and bravery to reach out to others, even though they may not uh, look like you or speak the same language as you, but really, um, branching out to build those relationships and, um, establish a sense of security, um, yeah. and connection. Social connections is, is one of the most important things, um, to prevent mental illness actually. Yeah. Um, when, when we look at it from a public health perspective, um, and, and I think also a spiritual perspective is that, that we, um, and, and it goes back to our, the verse that, that we've been talking about, right. Loving one another and supporting right. one another and, and God calls us to do that. So when we're able to build healthy rela- relationships and um, and have that community of support, I think that makes makes all the difference. Um, yeah. But sometimes, you know, when when we're not able to get past those differences and um, and not not be able to overcome some of those conflicts, it, it makes it hard. So really, yeah, I think it is about opening up our hearts and our our minds and. Um, having, having those interactions with people, um, that are transformative. Yeah. Inviting yeah, people absolutely. over for, for dinner. For dinner. <laughs> <laughs> getting to know absolutely. Them. Well, and, and that's the thing that I, I try to talk about all the time, especially in, in our teachings at Real Life Church is that, you know, if you really want to make a difference, if you really want to begin to see the kingdom of heaven here on earth, it's, it's about who you invite to your dinner table. And you and Matt are a great, great model, uh, role model for that. You're always willing to have just a different people, different background stories, whatever it is at your dinner table. And that is where true relationship, I, I honestly believe, uh, begins. And and ne- not necessarily at your home dinner table, but around a table, because that's where great conversation can happen. And, and that's where a lot of great healing happens as well, too. So, well, Joyce, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Where can people find your work if they're interested in reading more? Well, um, I, I did a, a- several uh, YouTube videos um, with Oak Health Foundation. It's a series called Anchor of Hope. Um, and I talk about you know how to deal with hatred, how to deal with cultural differences, working through uncertainty. So you could find that on YouTube, uh, Oak Health Foundation, Anchor of Hope. And, um, and I also have an article, um, a book, uh, 
book chapter that I published um, called Rwandan Infant Parenting, Promoting a Culture of Peace. And, and that highlights some of the, the work that I did in Rwanda, um, talking to uh, parents of, of babies. So, Wow. Wow. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Michael. It was so great to, to be with you today. And I want to thank you for listening today. If this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I'd love it if you would provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you find your uh, podcast episodes. And what this will do is it will help this show reach more people. And that's what it's all about. You guys know what I say. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.